like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this is uh, the first episode of the Mint in Box Month, uh, which is May 2020. Uh, Mint in Box is our theme where we watch movies that we own but have not seen, and thus it is mint in the box. Although a lot of our movies now are virtual, but still, it's a virtual box. You get the idea. Um, This episode we're going to be talking about the movie Sting, The Sting, um, from 1973, and we'll get into that later in the episode. If you're new to the podcast, uh, we like to start just catching up and seeing how things have been going, especially given all the nature of things. Um, and uh, what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how you doing in this uh, corona time? I mean, I'm fine. Uh, I'm excited because... So, okay, it's sad, but usually... Tomorrow, I would be leaving for Atlanta, Atlanta, <laughs> to go to Shaky Knees. And obviously, that's not happening this year. So, and they rescheduled it to October. And do we really think that everything's going to be back to normal in five months? I really don't. Uh, probably not. So, I might get my ticket refunded. Um, but so that's what I would normally be doing tomorrow. Uh, I had. Thursday, Friday, and Monday requested off for that. I like to go hard and, you know, come back, <laughs> travel all day Monday because I live <laughs> in the complete opposite corner of the country. It's fine. Um, yeah. And then I just go back to work on Tuesday. Uh, so I canceled having tomorrow off, but I'm still going to have a four-day weekend. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And it's been really nice here, except so... Idaho's a desert. It's a a royal desert, I believe. Um, So it's very green and lush here, but it's very dry and not humid. No, like, rain barely ever. But I've been having to run my heat at night because it's still getting into, like, the 30s and 40s. Wow. But then during the day, it gets really freaking hot. It was, like, 80 degrees in my house yesterday. Legit 80 degrees. But I refused to turn on my air because I ran my heat the night before. (laughs) And then last night I was like, I'm not going to run my heat. And then today it was like 80 degrees. So I had my air on today. (laughs) But um, so that's interesting, (laughs) you know. Yeah, we've had um, it's been like in the 50s in the morning the last couple of days, which has been really nice for uh, running. Um, And also not nice for running because like, you know, it's colder air. I'm not used to that uh, exactly. Um, but not bad. It's not like super cold air, but still it's like cooler than I'm used to. So I do feel like the difference, but, um, it, it's, but then it's, it's getting into the eighties in the daytime, but it's still, it's been pretty nice. And the, um, today was overcast, uh, did not rain, but so that helped a little bit with the cloud cover. Nice. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, my wife, my wife was off today. So, uh, after I, I had my class sessions, we went, um, we had to go into, uh, our neighboring town and do a little shopping for, um, some, not, I wouldn't say essential, but things that like we, we need kind of thing. Um, and 
while we were out, uh, there's this Facebook group in our area that's, um, like trying to support like local restaurants that are open and like doing to go orders. So it's like a, a, a place where you can communicate in those restaurants. Some of them are on there and they like post pictures of specials and things like that. It's been really cool. Like finding like, um, places that are, have like to go windows that you wouldn't have thought of or whatever. And one of the places I kept seeing for like the last three weeks has been this donut place in, in the neighboring town. And I've wanted one, but I've not ventured in. And again, I, I've been very good about sweets for the most part. Today was not one of those good days, but uh, the donuts were very, very good. And uh, I'm very glad we got them. Um, I've always seen like pictures of like cereal crusted donuts, like they, oh, it, yeah. some on the Food Network and then like Voodoo Donut became like a chain that does stuff like that. I've never had one in this, this place. I don't know what all cereals they had because I can't go inside. So like I'm going to have to drive through window. So I'm looking at their menu and it just says, you know, cereal donuts or whatever. But I'd seen the Fruity Pebbles one on uh, on Facebook. So I was like, do you have any of those? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, I'll take two of those. And I did not regret it. They were amazing. And I was very, very happy and also very, very guilt feeling. Like I, I felt <laughs> I guilty all day um, because I know I don't know how many calories. I just know there's no way it was okay that I had two of them. Um, but, uh, you know, it, today was my cheat day. I allowed, I knew I was going to get the donuts. So I was like, it's, I'm going to let this be the cheat day. I still have a hard time with the concept of cheat day. I still feel like I need to work it off more. Um, cause I'm not at my goal weight yet. Like I've lost a lot, but I still have like 20 pounds to go. And this, uh, lockdown has not helped the anxiety I've been feeling about it. I, I am definitely snack eating again which I am aware of. And so I'm, I'm mitigating it, but it's still like I'm eating more calories than I should be. Um, or I'm eating like I've had way more sweets than I should. For, like, even if I keep in my calorie count, I've still had like sugar that I, for a year, I didn't do sugar like hardly at all. Um, so it hasn't, I haven't gained weight, but I haven't lost anything really. Like I'll lose a pound and I'll gain a pound kind of thing. So it's, um, it's just kind of sitting at where I've been, which is okay. But, you know, I want to get I want to get down and today was not not going to help that cause at all. Uh, and then we also had our favorite Chinese place has been closed. Uh, pretty much every Chinese place has been closed around us since the lockdown. Even other restaurants have stayed open. The Chinese restaurants shut down. I don't know if they were afraid of like, you know, backlash because our president oh. did call it the Chinese flu at, for the beginning of the thing. And, you know, we're in an area where there is some some people who might be a little racist at times so it could have been bad i don't know if that was the reason or not it might have just been safety but um i i had called my our favorite one last week and they had changed their voicemail that they were going to open up on thursday this week and then i called on i I was looking at um one of the delivery apps and it they popped up and i was like i don't know i don't trust it what if they're not i don't want to like pay on the delivery app and them not be open so i called and uh, the owner, who's always been there, she's super nice, really great, um, answered. I'm like, oh, you're open. She's like, yeah, we just we decided to open uh, last night. I'm like, great. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll put an order in. So I, I told her the order, and I, I went and picked it up. And I, I didn't know. Um, like, I'm always a little nervous picking up food, especially if there's no, like, takeout window and there isn't at this place. Um, but when I got there, they had framed the door with wood and then put um, – they've propped the door open. And they have like a uh, plastic and cardboard on the top half, and then there's like a little little gap, very tiny gap, just enough to like slide the food under, and then um, a plywood like tabletop they've like kind of rigged there, and then plastic on the bottom. So like you can't walk in, you can't even see them like face to face, 
Uh, they have signs on the, the door, um, you know, like if you're using cash, it's exact change. We're not giving any change back. And I was like, okay, it's really cool to see them taking this seriously. Like they've taken precautions uh, to make sure that they're giving everyone safe treatment and that it's fair and there's ways to pay. And they ask that, you know, you stay in your car. Uh, they'll call you when your food is ready kind of thing. Um, but I was like, not most people didn't know they were open yet, so they weren't busy yet. But I, I have posted that on that group I was talking about. So people know they're open now, so they will get business this weekend. Um, and it's great because the food was awesome. So we had Chinese food and donuts today. It was a bad, bad food day. Although I did order fairly healthy Chinese. I got uh, Hunan chicken. Which have you ever had Hunan uh, chicken or Hunan beef from a Chinese? Isn't it like before? spicy with like, I feel so, like yes. red peppers or something? The first time I ever had it, I, I distinctly remember sweating. Like I was just like sweating. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if you know, I, I don't know if I've talked about it. I've gotten into like hot sauce, like over the, since, since doing keto basically. Cause like I couldn't use ketchup. So I would use hot sauce. Uh, Cause I'm a, I'm a big fan of like sauces on stuff. And so I've, I've gotten really into like hot sauces. So I got Hoonan chicken tonight and I haven't had Hoonan beef for a while. I used to get Hoonan beef. I got Hoonan chicken tonight and um, I'm eating it and I'm just like, man, I've ruined spice for me. I get nothing spicy enough anymore. <laughs> like I, I was like, like I'm looking at Kathy. I'm like, the first time I eat this, I, I was sweating. I was, I was like, I didn't know if I could make it through it. Now I'm like, I can't even taste a hint of heat in this at all. Oh like, no. Um, but on the other hand, I'm going to be doing the uh, Hot Ones Challenge with uh, one of my friends who has all the hot sauces from that. Um, and, uh, well, he has 10 of the hot sauces. I don't know if you've ever seen Hot Ones on YouTube, but I got obsessed with it for a little bit there. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, trying the ones that I know I'm going to feel again because um, they're going to be real, real hot. But, uh, yeah, so – but it was real, still really great, mind you. I, it's not a criticism to, to their food. I know that it was my taste buds that have changed. But um, – have you have you uh indulged in any fun like lockdown restaurant or like to go orders or uh, delivery services or anything? Um, you know, yesterday we had Popeyes. <laughs> I freaking love Popeyes. We don't eat it a lot because God, it's not good for you. Um, but we had that, and uh, today we had donuts. <laughs> I um usually just have to have the like rainbow sprinkle one because i feel oh, like yeah. there's not a lot in life that rainbow sprinkles can't at least make a little bit better you know <laughs> i'm a big I'm a fan, fan yeah um you know popeye's opened in our hometown here um wow. right right next to the where the dmv is like in front of that um it used to be an arby's and then it was torn down and then completely rebuilt as a popeye's oh, hold on over by the old save a lot yes is save a lot still there yes Okay, because I, when Bill and I were poor college students, <laughs> that's how we ate. Sure, yeah, me too. Thank totally. you, save a lot. Um, save a lot. Ooh. Yeah, I'm like, I wish that I could only spend that much on groceries now. Um, yeah, and then we've been just like getting to go food once a week just to have something different. Um, yeah, so that's what Bill wanted this week. Uh, yeah, uh, I've been wanting to get Popeyes, but because of our small town, whenever a restaurant opens, it takes like six months before it's feasible to get food without waiting for like an hour. Um, I every time, every time okay. I've driven by Popeyes, it is it is like insanely long line at the drive through. I'm just like, yep, not today. Oh God, those biscuits with honey, man. Um, 
And I remember when that used to be at Crystals hmm. over there. That like, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure crazy. it was Crystals. I was like really, really, really young, like five or six, maybe. So we don't talk about my age, but, you know, it was a long time ago. So long ago. Um, <laughs> but, uh, all right, let's get into what we've been watching. Um, it hasn't been that long since we recorded. I think just under a week. Uh, well, have you seen anything uh, worth talking about, Corey? Um, not a lot. I did finish King of the Hill. And I don't know, did you ever watch that or finish it? I never finished it. Um, I've seen a lot of episodes of King of the Hill, but I, I'm, I actually don't even know how many seasons it is. Uh, Thirteen. Is it I didn't realize um, they had stopped all the way. I believe so, but it just like ends. It just ends. Mm. So maybe, maybe not. But um, yeah, it went to May six, two thousand ten. So it's over. But I don't know. I. I felt like it ended awkwardly because it didn't end and they should have actually ended it a few episodes early because something kind of big in the scene of the show happens. Um, okay. But, and then I started watching Daria again. Oh, I love Daria. I do too. And I, that's it. I've been playing Stardew Valley. Oh. Um, I've been playing uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and I have made a lot of progress. Um, I did finally, I, I did something. I, I became aware of my own frustration level with, like, difficulty in games. And I've, I've had a rule since I was, like, in high school. Like, I always would, i try to play every game like, at normal difficulty um, and not less, right? Like, even if there's, like, very easy or whatever. But you know what? Like, at this point in my life, I'm, con- I'm not competitive with video games. I just want to enjoy the game. So, mm-hmm. like, I was getting frustrated at one point. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put it on easy. And now I'm having a blast. And I already like the story, but now it's like, I think I still have to work to get things, but it's not like work and then die and then have to do it again, which is what frustrates me because I get super impatient with like the repetitious stuff. But um, I, I've been having a lot of fun playing that and getting through the story. And then, um, you know, Animal Crossing still is my thing. I keep eyeballing. We have Stardew Valley on Xbox mm-hmm. and I keep looking at it and I'm like... I, I think I like this, but I also don't know if I want another game to like juggle right now. So I, I keep like not playing it, but I am, I knew you were playing it and I keep like, oh, I should try it. Um, I've still been uh, like throwing community on when I'm working. Um, really enjoying that. Uh, love that show. Highly recommend. Um, I'm very excited for Thursday night. We're recording this on a Wednesday and the uh, one spinoff Parks and Rec episode uh, is going to be on tomorrow night. So I'm hoping to catch that. Um, but I have watched a few movies uh, from the Tribeca Film Festival. I watched a movie called Asia, um, which is really good. Uh, it's very, it's kind of, it's very somber and uh, I would say it's sad um, for sure. But it's also very, very well acted. Uh, is I think it is an Israeli film. Um, I don't have that information. But uh, then for the Bantpocalypse, I watched Cooties and Little Monsters. Um, those are a good companion series of films. Cooties uh, has Elijah Wood and Rain Wilson um, and is great. But Little Monsters, Corey, I, I messaged you while I was watching it. There is a joke in this movie that I need you to watch the movie so I can talk to you about the joke. Because I feel like you might appreciate it. Or at least I will appreciate it even more knowing that you have witnessed it. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, I would really like you to watch that. But 
um, the highlight of my movies for the week is I watched a new film uh, called Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Um, and it is a... a it's one of the rentals that is like still in theaters type thing that that happened after uh, all the theaters got shut down because of the virus. Um, it was on sale to rent uh, for ten bucks. Usually the rentals for these theatrical releases are twenty, um, but I rented it from Vudu uh, about a week ago and I finally was able to watch it. And oh man, it is such a great movie. It is very tough. Like don't it's not like a feel good movie, but it is yeah. just so well made and so um, it's not a it is a feel bad movie, but not like a feel bad. I don't want to like, it's not a, it's not, there is hope and there's positivity in the film, but it is, it is highlighting a lot of problems in the world and specifically um, in the life of this young girl. And uh, it's done so well and it's crafted so marvelous, marvelously. And as I've thought about it, I like, I woke up and was thinking about it. And that's the, that's when to me a movie really when it leaves that kind of a mark where I can't stop thinking about it even like hours later maybe a day later um, and I'm still like processing and making revelations about things and like the way the filmmaker has crafted the story in such a way that you can um, infer a lot of information and yet you could also infer something completely different and both could be right it's just it's just a really, really well-made film and it's very enjoyable um, because of the performances. It's all, it is tough though. Like there were moments um, I actually, I didn't cry at this one scene either. I kind of felt like I probably should have cried. And I was thinking about the scene today and I started to tear up thinking about the scene. And I was like, wow, okay. That's, I don't think that's ever happened except for maybe Toy Story 3. Cause I, every time I think about them holding hands, I start to cry. Oh gosh. But, um, but yeah, that's basically what I've been watching. I feel like I watched something else, like not movie wise, but, um, like maybe another TV series or something. I don't know. Well, I did learn, I haven't watched it yet, but I learned about the grant, the grant, uh, the golden palace, which is a spinoff series of the golden girls. One full season. I found it. It is out there on the YouTube. I'm going to watch that at some point because my wife and I love the golden girls. And I can't believe I didn't know the spinoff series existed. And so I feel like a sense of obligation to complete it because I've seen the actual show because of Hallmark. Uh, they, I think it's Hallmark that runs it like from like 11 to one or something uh, hmm. for many years now. It has been like non-Christmas season. That's what they show. And that would for a long time. My wife used to not sleep with the TV off. Like she'd have to have the TV on if we went to bed. It was like her nightlight. And so we would put Golden Girls on and we'd watch it till we fell asleep. And uh, so I've seen the whole season fragmented, but I've seen every season, every episode that Hallmark shows at least many, many times at this point. So not knowing about the spinoff series, I'm very excited to try to dive into it. Um, still watching Dave. I've mentioned Dave a few times. Uh, I love that show. Really recommend. It is a, it's not a tough watch. It's a very funny show, but it is uh, some of the, some of the content is explicit, uh, especially for a network TV series. But it's still great, so I can't help but point it out, but know that it is very, very explicit. So if you don't like stuff like that, um, don't watch. But, all right. I think that's it for uh, what we've been watching, what's been going on. And that is what we will do next, is we will take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to start talking about The Sting from 1973. So, we are back. Uh, the Sting is my pick, uh, the first pick for... 
the Mint in Box films. Um, I actually just bought this not long ago because Matt and I do a podcast called Movie Astrology together. And we do a year in film. And we did 1973 a couple months ago. And this was uh, one of the top grossing films of that year. And I was it's one of my big gaps. So I needed to get it off the list. So I bought it and it made sense to fit it in here. Um, the plot synopsis on IMDb is two grifters team up to pull off the ultimate con, uh, which is such a, that is one of the most generic log lines I've ever read on there. Um, stars Paul Newman, Robert Redford, Robert Shaw, Charles Durning, uh, Ray Watson, um, Harold Gould, which is the reason I discovered the Golden Palace, uh, is because Harold Gould, who plays Kid Twist in this movie, is, uh, I think Charlie is the boyfriend's name that Rose has, uh. Um, and I'm like watching oh, him. Oh, no, no. Charlie was her husband. Sorry. Okay. See, that's what I was I, I knew I'm wrong. I can't think of his name then. But I'm like looking at this guy in this movie from 1973. And I'm like, he looks so familiar. Where do I know him? And I couldn't place it. Couldn't place it. And I look at Letterboxd. And Letterboxd doesn't do TV stuff. So I'm like, okay. So I haven't seen. Uh, none of these movies are the reason I recognize him. Because I haven't seen any of them enough to like that would be why. Because um, this guy, I'm like, no, Miles. His name is Miles. Um and finally it clicked he was from golden girls and so i went to like confirm on imdb there it is golden girls but then it also says the golden palace and i'm like what and i've already explained what that is so i won't do it again but that was how i found it was because of the sting so because of this movie i discovered that a show that i adore has a spin-off series that i've never even heard of um and that he cameos in uh but um, some big names that we just listed here, uh, and I don't want to leave off Eileen Brennan, but I got excited to mention him. And then um, George Roy Hill is our director, who's most, uh, I would, wow, uh, IMDb has this thing listed first. I would say Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is a more important movie, but it's listed there. Slapshot as well. Um, and The World According to Garp, which is a movie that's on my gap list forever now with Robin Williams that I've been meaning to get to. I still have not. Um, but... Uh, I really like Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, so I was excited to give this a watch because I've become a big Robert Redford fan, and I like Paul Newman a whole lot in uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, so I was ready to watch this. Um, it has an 83 Metascore, 8.3 IMDb user score. Um, I mean, God, look, even the, like Robert Shaw is Quint in Jaws, one of my favorite performances like in cinema. Um, did you uh, – the, the detective who keeps trying to blackmail um, – uh johnny hooker um who like he initially like gets him to give him the money he gives him the counterfeit money instead you know mm-hmm. what i'm talking about do you, did you recognize him no. that actor so he is in uh several coen brothers films um he's much much fatter in the coen films because he's much older but uh charles Durning is um pappy o'daniel in uh oh brother where art thou he's the guy running um for re-election to be governor uh and um He's in, I think he's in Hudsucker Proxy. Yes, uh, in Hudsucker Proxy, which we watched on this podcast in November. He's the uh, the guy who kills himself at the beginning, who like jumps out the window. Oh. That like gives gives the guy the opportunity to uh, become the Hudsucker Proxy. Um, yeah, so he's he's a Cohen regular, and so like I saw him, I was like, oh man, um, I haven't seen him in a whole lot of stuff, but it's cool to see him uh, younger. So why don't we start with you, Corey? What did you think of the sting? Um, I felt like there was a lot going on, <laughs> and that it was kind of long. 
it's it's not very long. It's two hours and nine minutes, but um, it <laughs> I does. Feel like that's plenty long. Plenty long. It's not <laughs> too long, but uh, it does. I I will admit it drags a little at times, but um. And there's just like sometimes I was like, what? is happening right now and i mean i feel like that was probably the point yeah but there's definitely some twists and turns that we're we're getting conned along with the characters um i think in the movie uh johnny hooker is a like a low level street con um you know he does like little jobs but uh they accidentally do a con that uh hits a big time like mafia type guy it's set in the 30s like during the prohibition type era um, and, uh, that's where Robert Shaw comes in. He's Do- Doyle Lonigan. Um, so they accidentally rip off Lonigan. And so now there's a hit out on him and his partner who was getting out of the game has been murdered. So Hooker goes, uh, to, an, uh, um, Henry Gondorf, who is Paul Newman's character, um, that was introduced by the guy who's now been murdered. Um, a little bit of racism in this movie too, but it's, it's the time oh. period. Um, uh, but so they then uh to get revenge they're gonna do a long con a big con um where they're gonna get lonigan uh so that um you know he won't know that he's been conned but he'll also lose a lot of money so it's this big big like setup and thus the sting um that's where there's a lot of twists and turns and whatnot within the plot um this movie set up in like chapters which i is probably unnecessary i felt like it's it's very linear in its plotting so i didn't feel the need to have those division markers um this movie has an iconic score uh which is i feel like if a movie did this type of score now like if a movie was set in like the 1930s and then had the kind of music that it has it would probably throw people off more than it than it seemed to do here it's very similar um uh, in Butch Cassidy, there's the the montage of them riding the bike with the song. Uh, it's also there's a unique style that I, I'm the assuming is a Ro- George Roy Hill um, stylistic choice to drop the audio of the scene and then just have the score playing. Uh, it happens in both uh, Butch Cassidy and in this movie, um, which it works I think in this movie, but uh, it is it is like unique. Um, any comments on any of that, Corey? I um, felt like that was in interesting choice of music um i had read a little bit that it does use ragtime and the first time that i know i like noticed the music i didn't it didn't sound like ragtime to me but Mm. then it quickly did like pull out all the stops (laughs) and i was like okay um i'm gonna defer to you for a second when you say ragtime is that the name of the song or is that a style of music a style of music okay i wasn't sure uh and i still feel like i'm not 100 percent sure um and i don't um like i don't know exactly like what defines it um i'm just looking like googling and it says like Evolved by music characterized by a syncopated um, melodic line and regularly accented accompaniment evolved from black American musicians in the 1890s and played especially on the piano. So I feel like like that really lively, like upbeat piano Mm -hmm. music. 
Interesting. Um, I didn't know what to call that. So I guess I, I'm a little wrong. I guess the music fits in the time period quite well. Uh, but uh, Marvin Hamlish is the music adapter and like noted. I only know that. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Paul Rudd, which so are, so is Corey. And uh, there's a comedy he does or he had called Role Models that I love. And there's a scene in it where um, Christopher Mintz Platt's character uh, says, I'm tired of being told I look like a young Marvin Hamlish. And um, I don't know who that is. And Paul Rudd's like, he did the, the music for The Sting. And then um, Sean Williams got like comments on that. And I've always remembered that. And like, one day I'll watch that movie. And sure enough, I finally did. So now I know about the score. So Marvin Hamlish. There you go. Mm. Well, um, I I enjoyed the movie. I, I It's not, I, I do prefer Butch Cassidy overall. I think Butch Cassidy pulled me in a little more. Um, I do think there was a lot of characters in this movie, and I think that's where it feels yes. a little, um, a little confusing, and maybe a little. Uh, and again, I do think that's part of it. I think like we're seeing the like the setup for the con, and um, we're not unlike uh, like a Steven Soderbergh film like Ocean's Eleven or Logan Lucky. You're gonna see, you're gonna be treated to the same style, but then he'll back up and he'll show you how all the strings were pulled to get there. And I don't feel like this movie does that. Like, we just get there and then we're told, like, okay, that was this. And you're like, oh. Oh, okay. You know, like, great. But they don't, like, show it happening. Like, Soderbergh really likes to go back and, like, show you everything that you didn't see a few moments ago. Like, how we got here. Well, here's how we got there through, like, a series of uh, flashbacks or montages. And um, I, this movie doesn't do that, which isn't a, a bad thing. It's just different. It's – and, again, this was first. Uh, but – you know, um, I think that would have helped a little bit with clarity. And uh, again, I think multiple watches, this would become a much easier film to understand um, all of those wor workings, which I think is a good thing. Because, you know, sometimes a movie is meant to be rewatched to really appreciate all the little details. Um, but I do, I do agree. And I don't think two hours and nine minutes is inherently long. However, it did feel like I was like, really? I still have 30 minutes left? Like, come on like what else do we have to have <laughs> um yeah because there were a few moments that felt like we probably could have trimmed them off and it would have still been a very good movie um i do love i, I love the chemistry between robert redford and uh paul newman though i just think they're so charming together yeah um and i i had not been a robert redford uh and i wasn't like not a fan but i hadn't really seen anything with him until a few years ago um but like since then i've seen uh old man and the gun and these two oh, movies and i just so good. yeah i i love him uh so so much um i need to go back and watch more of his stuff um and now we've seen sneakers as well uh oh, yeah which i didn't love but you know no it wasn't his fault i thought he was fine just was like the movie was like oh, okay um but yeah let's uh I, that's it for non-spoilers i liked it Corey, where are you falling on this uh i guess a little more neutral than you but not a dislike. No. All right. Stop yelling. God, we're old. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Oh, no. It's a chain. We'll never break it. Let's go to spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about The Sting from 1973. In great detail, you have been warned. I mean, we may not talk that much detail. Who knows? I think uh, we're this might be a shorter episode. <laughs> um, okay, so I love Robert Shaw. And I've only seen him as Quint before this movie. So I was very excited to see him 
in something else. Um, and man, he is so good. In this he was movie. a good uh, villain. Yeah, I love that scene where uh, they first find he's first told that that runner his runner was ripped off, and uh-huh. without like being over the top or going into great detail <laughs> he tells you know his employee or what whatever you call them um yeah. that uh you know i want them gone and you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah like he's so good at like long speeches um the whole poker scene like when we learn that he cheats and like that man, oh and, um, yeah and newman's just being so obnoxious and arrogant oh man that cracked me up um and I love, too, when he's like, well, um, when his employee is like, well, expose him for being a cheat and a fraud. And he's like, but I'm cheating, too. So, yeah, what yeah, really, are we going to do? But I thought because he's like, uh, the only reason we know he cheated is because we cheated. <laughs> like, yeah, he cheated our cheat. Like, I, I just want you all to know that I could never be that smooth like because he has in his hand the three threes i think and then he switches them for the jacks or something and we it's just so smooth and they're in a tiny room on a train right yeah it, they're in a tiny room and there are tiny, like tiny so many people in there and just that that being the only way that it was detected i don't know which yeah it, it literally took um you know, like them knowing what cards he was supposed to have versus what cards he had. Um, I also, I like old poker. I don't know at what point the five cards like draw became like Texas Hold'em is now the staple. But like, if you watch like old movies, like, it's always, you know, five cards. And then like, there's that moment where you get to return some and then you get however many, I think you could do up to three or something. like that. It's been a while since I've really watched five card draw. But, like, Maverick is a movie that's built around that, and I love that. So, like, I like that the scene had that kind of poker. That just, to me, is more fun than Texas Hold'em, because Texas Hold'em, not that there's no, like, I enjoy Texas Hold'em, too, but, like, five-card stud, like, they don't know what hands you have. Like, with Hold'em, everyone knows everything but two, you know? So, like, they have at least an idea of what's, mm. what you could have. But here, like, there's no clue. So you can literally, like, bluff, and, you know, um, there's a chance of, like, changing out those two cards also because that's the other thing with hold them you're just stuck with what you have and you either fold or you play uh and you don't know what you're going to get but it's still like slightly different because you could have you could get your five cards and be like uh this is perfect i'm keeping or you know i just need one card why not send it back oh my god i got the card. you know it's again it's a game of chance and risk but i just really enjoy that style so i like that scene a whole lot and again shaw is so good in it um <laughs> I really liked Harold Gould uh, in this. Um, he sets up a lot of the uh, the stuff. He's kind of like the guy um, managing everything. Like there's scenes with just him, which is surprising when you have the clear leads being Redford and Paul Newman. And then we cut away to a scene where they're not in the scene. Like it's, it's just Harold Gould. And that's where I feel like as much as I actually liked a lot of his scenes, we probably could have trimmed those, especially because it's not always clear what's happening. Um, but he's the one kind of setting up stuff. Like there's the scene where they're, uh, they have to fake that they're in this office so that Lonigan will believe that he's that like 
he's you know that they are who they say they are and all that and um that was okay we get it but it's a lot a really good scene too it was i love that just like them going in and taking up his over his office painting like a third of a wall and then using the buzzer (laughs) that's on the real like guy who owns the or who works in that office comes back and is like what just happened and he got bamboozled so hard um yeah Okay, so in the beginning of the movie, Hooker is working with um, Luther Coleman, and I'm just kind of scrolling through all of this, and Luther Coleman um, is uh, played by Robert Earl Jones, right? I, I did not see his name until just now, and I am, I was like, the whole time he was on screen, I was like, man, he sounds like James Earl Jones. He sounds so much like James Earl Jones, and sure enough, no, it's his father. He's what? James Earl Jones' father. Um so he I'm like, camp? apparently he's Ben. Is Ben the chef? Mm-hmm. I still have not watched Witness, and I saw Trading Places when I was like a kid, so I don't remember that very much. But um, yeah, I like I, man, I knew he sounded like James Earl Jones, and that makes total sense now because I'm like, it, it's not quite there, and I know James Earl Jones like you know by I, I recognize him immediately. Uh, so I'm like I'm like that's not it's definitely not James Earl, but it sounds so much like him. I, I feel vindicated that I was I was like close. It is his dad, so it makes sense that they have a similar uh, voice. Um, not quite as deep as James, but it's still like he's got the cadence and everything. But um, I, I liked him in that. Like that was it's he's the uh, catharsis or not the I'm sorry um, the catalyst at the beginning of the film. His death is what triggers the whole plot. So um, I mean, technically the the con that he robs the wrong guy, but the fact that they kill luther sends a hooker off on a different path um yeah and you know the movie ends uh like hookers learned a lesson i guess that um because it looks like they're gonna go off into the sunset together him and uh um newman's character whose name is gondor um or harry uh but they say what about your cut and earlier in the film like right after the the luther right before luther's killed we see him lose all of his money on a freaking roulette game that was rigged, mind you. Like, you know, um, and so he's learned that he it's not really about the money for him. It's about the con. He like, at least that's my take. Oh, my away. God. Like, well, that's just I just think that that's him as a person. This is what I think of you, Robert Redford, because we've also seen you in The Old Man and the Gun. And mm-hmm. we see, you know, casting Sundance Kid. I've never they seen can't that. stop. What? Really? I thought we watched it for the podcast. Oh, oh my no, god! No, we watched something watch else. It. We watched something else. We were going to watch it for westerns, I think. Yeah, because it's great. It's one of the best westerns. It's so good. Um, wow, you totally need to watch that like ASAP. It might be on Prime. Uh, it's probably available somewhere else too. But you, wow, um, such a good movie. Uh, and it, it there is a similar pattern, I guess, there as well. But go ahead. Sorry. Oh no. Um. Yeah, I that's like because I did a little very light reading um, uh, for this movie, and um, I I was kind of okay. So the great wasn't this in nineteen thirty the movie the, the time period yeah. Well, I would had to Google uh, 
I'm so bad with dates, everybody. So sure. here we are. Um, I had to look up the date, like how when the Great Depression was, and it says like August 1929 to March 1933. And I mean, I was just like, I didn't look this up, but I'm always interested in like how things like compare to now. So I should have looked up to see like how much three thousand dollars then would be now you know because it just mm-hmm. like killed me watching them throw around all this money on stupid stuff stupid stuff yeah. i'm just like and when he like throws down that money for the roulette game and then it's just gone i mean it, mm-hmm. i don't know um and i don't it's like they're but I also guess that to him, this money isn't very hard to come by. So what's the loss? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, um, <clears throat> I also th- I think he loses the money to have a reason to keep doing the cons. Like, you know, what I mean, like it's because it, if he has the money, there's no excuse to do it. But he likes to do it. That's you know, so you lose it, and then you get to do it again. And that's why this time he just he skips the middleman. Why even wait for it? Let's just go. Like, the argument was that they were doing this because they just need one big con and then they can walk away. But that's not how it works. You don't do these things simply to get the money. You do them because you like doing them. It's it's what you know. It's like, you know, like, I don't teach or, you know, I don't teach film because of the money. I teach film because I love to talk about it. It's my favorite thing to talk about. I just get lucky enough that that's my, my paycheck. Um, but I wouldn't stop talking about movies if they stopped paying me. You know, it's just a maybe there. <laughs> maybe there. They probably if they stop paying me, they probably don't want me there anymore. But um, <laughs> but I'm still going to talk about movies, you know, whoever will listen. Uh, and that's, you know, I think that's kind of what he learns at the end is that like this is more than just. And I think even Luther says it early, like, uh, no, no, it's time I walk away. I, this is my chance. I could have walked away. I didn't walk away. And um hooker can't believe it he's like what that's insane how could you do that because he can't he can't walk away and you know i I like um i liked some of the twist i mean the whole movie but that um i okay so i have to say first that i love that he loves that the waitress supposedly the waitress isn't gonna take his crap and she's sassy, and he loves it, <laughs> and I kind of love that he loved it. And then they, uh, you know, end up sleeping together, and then the next day, she gets shot by this person who's been following Hooker around that we had no idea who it was. Um, and the whole thing was that she was hired by was it Lonigan? Yeah, to kill him, and I didn't see that coming. Um. So I thought that was a cool scene. And then when he, like, picks up the gun or, like, reveals that she was holding the gun. um, Yeah. And then I did love the ending, that whole, that everybody in this room that was at, like, the, this, like, horse race thing was in on the con. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole room was, was part of it. And the cops... Or, well, at least that one guy was a cop. I wasn't quite sure about the other people. They said they were FBI, right? But they weren't. Yeah, apparently... Um, so, there was a con going on with uh, to get um, the Lieutenant Wim 
Snyder, who is Charles Durning's character, mm. um, like because he's he's you know trying to get Hooker. So to get that off of him, he gets recruited by the FBI, which we're not privy to. We don't know because Hooker is our main character. Hooker is the protagonist, and um, Gondor finds out about Snyder. And he sets up this FBI thing without telling Hooker and thus without telling us. We don't know about it until later in the reveal, um, which I still didn't get right away because there are so many characters that I was like, yes. wait, is that the same FBI agent as the other guy? I can't I don't remember. Like, there's too many people. Um, yeah. So uh, and there's it's you know, they all look similar and they all wear fedoras like that's yeah. like um uh, Harold Gould stood out because of his mustache. He had like such a distinctive mustache that I was like, yeah, I know who that is. Plus, I knew him as Miles. Uh, so again, there was that familiarity. But like a lot of the other people, I was like, can't I can't keep up with everybody. There's too many characters. Like I get Redford, I get Newman, I get Gould, I get Lonigan, and then there's just, like other people who just come and go. And I'm like, all right, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I like that too. I, I think the the twists work really well. I think overall, and I was like laughing so hard at the end. I was like genius. Like after the uh, the fake out. Yes, when I was like, "What is happening?" and Bill's like, "Why would they even? You know, they must know what was going to happen that he was going to shoot him." Uh, and then yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Agreed. I, I was a little shocked at. I was like, "Oh no," because I really like them. And I'm like, "You can't die," and yeah, I was and a little it, shocked that he betrayed him too. I was like, no. "That's what." Yeah, I was surprised when that was happening too, and I really thought that he was doing it. You know what? Kind of oddly made me laugh too, though. When um, you you brought up like how when it, the girl gets killed, but it, like because they make us think that she's a good guy. And she gets shot in the head. It's very brutal, right? Um, but then Redford turns around and sees the shooter, and the shooter starts like running at him, and like he runs past him, and it just made me laugh because it, like <laughs> I was so expecting him to like. I'm like, wait, what is he doing? Why doesn't he just shoot Redford? You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> like, why is he running towards him? And then the reveal, I'm like, oh wow! Like it really sh- it shocked me that she had a gun. You know, I was just like, I'm like, yeah. what? Um, and like I just. I, I turned to Bill and I was like, they slept together last night, so why didn't you just do it then? He and asked I mean, that. Yeah, and then he said it. And then, you know, too many people saw you walk into her apartment. Okay, so maybe you don't have to shoot someone. You could stab them or something quietly. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they made it a, they made it a reason. Um, yeah. But I'm not saying it's a great reason, but they did address that. Like, they were like, ah, people are going to ask why she didn't just kill him. They're like, like let's... Well, it's not like they had a graphic sex scene either. It's not like they were like, no. oh, we just wanted her to be naked. Like, no, you, you really could have had that scene play out in the room. Again, there's room for this to have been tightened up a little bit and it not be over two hours. And, and you still get the same story. Because um, that dude, I'm pretty sure that guy, when he's in the hotel room, the camera pulls out and then into another hotel room where we just see a glove, which we've seen that hand, I think, at least two times before that. Like, we saw the gloved hand in the car at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's watching then. So he could have went right over to the hotel room to save him there. You trim a whole scene off, you know, but they didn't. So it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I, I like the movie. I, it's not, um, it's not my favorite, uh, from 73. Um, I think the exorcist is probably better, 
but I could definitely rewatch this thing way more than I could rewatch The Exorcist because I don't know how Matt rewatches that movie like he does. But I don't okay. either. I watched it, uh, you know, kind of recently, probably like three or four or five months ago, and I just don't. Ugh. There are some scenes in that that are very hard to handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. Agreed. And yep. And uh, since we're talking about The Exorcist, guys, go check out Cursed Films on Shutter, And I also think it's on Amazon. And I didn't realize that that was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest until recently. Oh. And there are five total episodes. Yeah, uh, Sean really liked it. It was like, I think you should tell Corey to watch this. I'm like, I think she is watching it. Um, <laughs> tell him thanks, though. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. Uh, but, oh. Um, but yeah, I uh, I probably need to watch that too. Um, well, I think that's it for the episode. Uh, the Sting, I will say, is not quite Golden Pony Boy for me, and I'm guessing decent watch for you. Uh, I think that that's where I'm leaning. All right, it happens from time to time. Um, our next episode is Corey's selection. You remember what you picked? No. Oh, is it? Oh my god! I'm so excited. Stop making sense. Stop making sense. The Jonathan Demme uh, Talking Heads concert film, um, arguably one of the best uh, concert films of all time. Um, I am a big fan of the Blank Check podcast. They did this movie a few months ago um, because they were recovering Jonathan Demme's filmography. Uh, I want you to listen to our episode, but I also want you to listen to that podcast because that podcast is amazing. So Blank Check uh, with Griffin and David, uh, the Stop Making Sense episode. It is on Prime um, last I looked. Uh, highly, highly recommend. Uh, I've already seen it, but Corey has not. And I, I actually just watched it because of the Blank Check podcast. So I'm glad to revisit it because I've been listening to the Talking Heads quite a bit since I saw this uh, concert film. Corey, oh my God. I can't wait for you to watch it. I think you're going to love it. It is it is such a cool concert. Um, and just the way Demi and, and uh, it's so cool. Um, man, I've never seen anything like it. I, I can't wait to rewatch it. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm going to try to make Taylor watch it with me because she's also been listening to the Talking Heads. Uh, I didn't realize. I, I played it in the car with her, but she started listening to them on her own, and that was pretty cool when I found that out the other day. Um, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. So now I'm going to make her watch this movie. But <laughs> Bad win. Um, yeah, big time. Because I, I wasn't sure. I played it, and I was like, she didn't really react, and I couldn't tell. Like, She's good at like kind of wearing like a stoic face when she's not sure of something yet. And uh, I wasn't <laughs> sure if that. she liked it or not. And um, so then, she, like, the other day, she brought up, like, talking heads, like, I really like been listening to them. I'm like, really? I'm very glad to hear that. Um, so, yeah. But uh, so that's our, our rating for this, uh, The Sting. We'll be back next week to talk about Stop Making Sense um, as we continue with the uh, Minton Box theme. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And BurkeReviews.com is where we post our articles and reviews and these podcasts. Uh, Corey just had a best albums to listen to while under quarantine, or at least what she's listening to under quarantine. Uh, article it's just went up one. this week. Um, and it's in Corey's opinion, they're best. I think they're all made up, uh, except for the Fiona <laughs> Apple one, because I've actually heard that one. So, um, or at least most of that one. But uh, <laughs> otherwise, thanks for listening. Uh, if you like the podcast, please rate and review us. Stay safe. Keep social distancing, and more importantly, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.